Well, let me share it with you on the subject of buried and forgotten by God. Would you bow your hearts together with me in prayer? Father, we rejoice in what we have already experienced with you and one another during this time of worship and fellowship together. What a wonderful thing it is to be a part of your family. And as we open your word now, I offer myself as a vessel fresh in you and to your hands at this very moment. Please cleanse me with the washing of the blood of your dear Son. Please anoint with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart are acceptable in your sight. Because as I pray, and praises for victories I give in Christ's name, amen. Have you ever wished that you could bury and forget the past? I must confess to you that I have. A number of years ago, a young boy was visiting his grandparents one Sunday afternoon, and he liked to pretend to be a pirate. And he always enjoyed going to his grandparents' home because they had so many treasures there that he could explore. Well, the family was outside and he was in the home alone and so he was going through various rooms looking for treasure. He went into grandmother and grandfather's room. He called it Grandma and Grandpa. And he went over to one of the dressers and he was opening the drawers, looking, exploring. And then when he opened the bottom drawer, to his amazement and delight, he saw a large jar full of coins. Quarters, dimes, nickels, pennies, even some half dollars in there. And so being the pirate that he was, he decided to take advantage of his discovery and to gather some of that money unto himself. And so he walked to the bedroom door, looked to make sure no one was around, went back to the jar, opened the lid, and put his small hand down inside and took out all that he could hold and place it in his pocket. He tightened the lid back on, turned it upside down several times, very quietly, so as to give the impression that nothing was missing. That afternoon, when he returned home, his conscience began to bother him. The next Sunday, they went back to the grandparents, and he got out of the car, ran up to his grandpa, and said, Grandpa, please forgive me. And his grandpa asked, forgive you for what? He said, Grandpa, I stole some of your money last week. And Grandpa said, you did? He said, yes. And Grandpa said, I know that you stole my money. I forgive you. Well, the next week they went back to visit the grandparents and the young boy again ran up to his grandpa and shouted, Grandpa, please forgive me. I stole some of your money. And Grandpa repeated, son, I told you, I've already forgiven you. And this went on for several weeks. 
One Sunday, the boy went up to his grandpa and said, Grandpa, please forgive me. And the grandpa took him by the arm and said, Come with me. And the boy said, Where are we going, Grandpa? And the grandpa said, We're going to the woodshed. Now the boy had heard some stories from his dad about the woodshed. And he began to imagine, oh no, Grandpa is going to beat me. I am in for it now. So they got to the woodshed and Grandpa picked up a shovel and said, follow me. And the young boy said, oh no, Grandpa's not only going to beat me, he's going to kill me and bury me. They went out to the field and Grandpa dug a hole. And the little boy started shaking. The hole got deeper and deeper and deeper. When it was finally deep enough to Grandpa's satisfaction, he took out a piece of paper from his overall bill and a pencil. He handed it to the young boy and he held up the shovel so that the young boy could place it against the back of the shovel. And he said, son, I want you to write what I tell you. And the hand of the young boy was quivering. Grandpa said, write, Grandpa, I stole your money. And the young boy wrote, Grandpa, I'm sorry for stealing your money. Grandpa, please forgive me for stealing your money. When the young boy had finished writing, Grandpa took the pencil and put it back in his overall, took a piece of paper, wadded it just as tight as he could, dropped it in the hole, covered it up, pulled the young boy close to his chest, and said, Son, it's buried and forgotten. Never bring it up again. That young boy learned a very valuable lesson. And so I ask you again, have you ever wished you could bury and forget the past? I have. God has promised in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 25, listen, as he was talking to physical Israel then, and he's speaking to spiritual Israel today, speaking to your heart and my heart, just as he spoke to their hearts, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. And I want you to underscore this next phrase. For my own sake. You ever thought about that? Why has God chosen to blot out your transgressions and my transgressions? What he did so that we can go to heaven, amen? And I'm looking forward to that new Jerusalem that we sang about just a few months ago. And thank you, Brother Nobel. But when everything is said and done, why does God blot out transgressions? He does it for his own sake. You see, for centuries and millenniums, Satan has been pointing his crooked finger at Heavenly Father and accusing him of injustice. God's character, God's name, is at stake. And God continues to say, and will not remember thy sins. 
There are very few things that God cannot do. But God says that one of the things He cannot do is remember your sins and my sins after they are forgiven. God has chosen to place that, if you'll understand what I'm about to say, that limitation on Himself. I don't know about you, but to me, that's good news. <laughs> I heard somebody say hallelujah. That is good news. And the way you and I take advantage of this provision is as we confess our transgressions, as we ask for forgiveness, and then allow ourselves to experience water baptism. Water baptism does not save an individual. May I repeat that? Water baptism does not save an individual. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse us from sin. But when an individual accepts Jesus as Savior, there needs to be bold proclamation with lip and with life of what has taken place. And to follow Him and accept Him now as Lord of our lives. I will not baptize an individual until I am convicted in my intellect and I am convinced in my emotions that three prerequisites have taken place. Number one, a person must have a teachable spirit. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Christ is about ready to leave his disciples. And he gave what we refer to as the Great Commission. He said, Go ye therefore and underscore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. I will not baptize an individual if I am not assured that individual has a teachable spirit. Second prerequisite, a person must believe in Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8 and verse number 37. Philip has already explained the scriptures to the Ethiopian eunuch concerning Christ, so teaching has already transpired. And then the man asked what he needed to do to be baptized. Underscore Philip's response, Acts 8 and verse 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I will not baptize an individual until I ask that individual, have you believed in Jesus Christ? Third prerequisite, that individual must ask to be forgiven of sins. You see, it's one thing to have a head knowledge, but it's another thing to have a heart enter into that relationship. Look at Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, 
that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Oh, my friends, God longs to blot out our transgressions. It doesn't matter what we've said. It doesn't matter where we've gone. It doesn't matter what we have done. Jesus is able to forgive to the uttermost. And anyone who believes with a heart what God says in His Word about His Son and about our sins is a candidate for water baptism. And I will not baptize an individual until I ask that individual, have you confessed your sins, repented, and ask Jesus to be your personal Savior. You see, water baptism is very special to me. And that's why we have an insert in our bulletin that is dedicated just to baptism. What I'm about to say is not meant to be critical, it's not meant to be judgmental, but too often we just allow baptisms to be a part of what's going on rather than the focal point of that time of assembly together in worship of Heavenly Father and fellowship with one another. What does baptism signify? Three things. Number one, baptism signifies that repentance has taken place, that God has blotted out our sins, and because of that, we can claim Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. I believe with all my mind and all my heart that the Apostle Paul was smiling with great joy as he penned these words. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, what a baptism signifies a burial to our sinful life. You see, God longs to do more than just blot out our sins. The Bible says that God wants to bury all the incriminating evidence against us. And this makes the devil mad. Why does it make Satan mad? Because the devil is always looking for opportunities to remind us of how bad we were. And God says, I want to not only blot it out, I want to bury it in the sea of forgetfulness, to remove it as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. And my brothers and sisters, if God has chosen to do that, I have no right to bring it up myself. Because what God has done, God has done very well, amen? Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 8, part of verse 4. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. You see, Christ is there with us. When we go through this experience, as the eyes are closed, as the breath is held during baptism, 
This illustrates that indeed baptism is a fitting symbol of death to the sinful life. And then thirdly, baptism signifies a resurrection. A resurrection unto a new life where Jesus is not only our Savior but now also Lord of our life. Look at Romans chapter 6. The B part of verse 4. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. <laughs> and when we come up out of those waters of baptism, we come up to the power of the glory of the Father. I believe that all of heaven is rejoicing when that takes place. As God the Father says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. There are two groups of people who are candidates for water baptism. The first group are of those who have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. And we've already looked at this. But the second group are those who come to understand new insights from God's Word. Pastor Dan, is there biblical evidence for this? Absolutely. I carry us to Acts chapter 19. I begin reading in verse 1, and I'm going to go through verse 7. And as I read these verses, there are six points that I want you to underscore. Acts 19, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain, number one, disciples. Now underscore that, they were already disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So not only were they disciples, they were also believers. And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Number three, Under what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Now I want you to see this. They are disciples who have believed, and they have been baptized in accordance with John's baptism. And John's baptism was unto repentance. saying unto the people that they should, number five, believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Then number six, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were baptized in the baptism of repentance. But after they came to a greater understanding of the scriptures, the Bible says they were baptized again. And then, Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. I was baptized in 1964 at the age of 15. After trusting Jesus 
as my personal Savior in the Pentecostal Church. But after spending many years in study of God's Word and gaining a biblical perspective of eternal truths, I was rebaptized in 1982 and became a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Christian Church. Now follow me very closely. I was not rebaptized because I doubted my salvation. I was born again. I can take you to the place. I can almost tell you the time. When as a young boy of 15, I asked Jesus to be my personal Savior, and He and I entered into a love relationship with one another. But I was rebaptized as a sign to the enemy of my soul. And I was rebaptized as a proclamation to my family and my friends that I would no longer accept the traditions of man to be my rule, my guide, but being plain, thus saith the Lord. I have been preaching for over 18 years at that time, but I was rebaptized as a sign. I was rebaptized, number one, as a sign of my repentance for having taught wrong teachings for over 18 years. What have I taught wrongly? I had taught wrongly about the Bible Sabbath. I had taught wrongly about the state of the dead. I had taught wrongly about the second coming of Jesus and on and on and on and on. And I remember so clearly when I dropped to my knees and I asked God, please forgive me for my wrong teaching. I repented of that. Secondly, I was baptized as a sign of my burial to the traditions of mankind. I would no longer fall just because my granny or my granddad said so and so was truth. And thirdly, I was baptized as a sign of my resurrection. My resurrection to walk in a full life and to obey all God's word has to say. I believe with all my mind and all my heart that God is calling men and women and young people today to follow him. Follow him as Savior and follow him as Lord of their life. Follow him so that you and I might become the people as mentioned in Revelation chapter 14. Got it up on the screen there? And verse 12. Look at it. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. God's calling us to make that time of commitment. In just a few moments, I'm going to have the privilege of baptizing Sister Kanisha. And what a glorious day this is. She has followed all the prescriptions and prerequisites. And as her pastor, I am very comfortable in baptizing before I have a prayer, I want you to take out from the pew a little card 
I want you to look at it. There may be some of you here who have never followed the Lord in water baptism. On the sign where it says welcome, there are a number of places that can be checked. One of them is I'm here today for the first time. I'm a new resident in the area looking for a church. I'm interested in learning more about safety and this. I'd welcome a call from the pastor. I'd welcome a Bible study course. I'm interested in baptism. I'd like my membership transferred to this church. If you are here today, during this baptism, if God speaks to your mind and heart, and His sweet spirit impresses you to talk to me about portal baptism, would you check that box, fill in the information, and get it to me as soon as possible? I'd like to follow through with you and make the experience glorious in your life. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for what we are about to experience as a church family. Lord, we know that you have called us and you have chosen us. And what a wonderful thing it is to not only hear your voice, but also to respond to the beckoning of your sweet Holy Spirit. And as we sing these songs and as we hear the scripture read, and as we observe a dear sister being baptized to your glory and honor and her benefit, may reflection take place in our own lives if we have been baptized about that special day for us. And if there are those here that have not yet followed you in this prescription, help them to make that decision so that soon and very soon it can be a reality. Because this prayer we pray and praises for victories we give in Christ's name. Amen. Brother Nell is going to come and lead us in some favorite hymns of Kamisha as we prepare for the baptism. I invite you to pledge your forces together. Then we will enter the baptismal pool. Brother Manny is going to read one of our favorite scriptures. We'll have a baptism. Then Brother Nell is going to lead you in some more hymns as we get dressed and make our return. And then we're going to allow you the privilege of extending to our new sister the right hand of fellowship. God bless us as we continue to look heavenward through Jesus. As we stand in this baptistry today, we know that Jesus is here with us. That Heavenly Father is pleased with the decisions that Kanisha has made through the power of His sweet Holy Spirit. And it gives me great pleasure to baptize her today because I am confident that she has made a commitment to the Lord. And she, in her commitment, has made steps in the direction of heaven that will
but influence others who might look at her life and hear her testimony. She has a favorite scripture from the book of Proverbs that we're going to listen to before I baptize her, a passage that has meant much to her. From the book of Proverbs, the third chapter, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and believe not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh, and it will be strength to your bones. Kanisha, because of your love for Jesus and your willingness to serve him and to walk as God's Spirit leads you, it gives me great delight as your pastor to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of his sweet Holy Spirit. God bless you. Have a great Sabbath afternoon. 